Hi, everyone. Welcome to Post-Mormon at the Movies. My name is Nick. And I'm Dan. After taking some time off this summer, we're excited to be back. This episode kicks off a new season of discussions about movies and how they sometimes remind us of our experiences with Mormonism. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, make sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we recently joined TikTok. We don't really know what we're doing, but it's all the rage these days. Our handle is at postmormonmovies. We love getting feedback from our listeners. Feel free to reach out through our social media accounts or by email. Our email address is postmormonmovies at gmail.com. Please let us know if you have ideas for ways we can improve the podcast or if you have any questions or comments on what we discuss. We also appreciate suggestions of movies to cover in future episodes. You can find us on all major podcast platforms. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a rating if possible. It really helps out. And without any further ado, please enjoy Post-Mormon at the Movies, Episode 21, Star Wars. Not too long ago in this very galaxy. Welcome back, everybody. We're back. We are back. We've had a good summer break. We're striking back. Oh, good one, Nick. Striking back. Uh, I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is Post-Mormon at the Movies. Today, we are talking about Star Wars. Yeah. Little movie you might have heard of. Movies, Nick. Yeah. And TV shows. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is that, like, when Star Wars came out, it was just called Star Wars. That's true. And so now, like, it's become, like, Star Wars means books and video games and movies and TV shows. And so we're going to sort of take a very, very broad but shallow look at a lot of Star Wars and sort of how it relates to being Mormon and being post-Mormon. But I think we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, there's there's so much content to cover. And we yeah. were just trying to figure out how, how do we approach this? Because there's a lot of stuff here. Um, so we're going to be talking about the movies. Uh, you know, the nine episodes mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe the other movies they've made like Rogue One, maybe yeah. Solo. I don't know. We'll see where the conversation goes. Uh, we've got TV shows, too. You know, we're probably going to discuss the Clone Wars, which is the animated series. Yep. And there's the Mandalorian, which is new. And so spoiler warning, careful, because we might talk about stuff you haven't seen yet. Yeah. We're not just talking about the movies. So fair warning. I feel like we were sort of like salespeople for Star Wars right there. Like we got movies, <laughs> we got TV shows, yeah, we got yeah. animation, we got. We need to call Disney and see if they can, uh, you know, <laughs> throw, hype, us, throw us a bone. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think first off, like in thinking this week, knowing we were going to talk about Star Wars, I just kept thinking like, when did I first like learn about Star Wars? Mm-hmm. Like when was I introduced to it? And I think that like one of the reasons Star Wars holds such a special place in my heart is because it was the first like movie that I really loved that my dad also really loved. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if I had seen a movie to that point that was like for adults as much as it was for kids. So I was probably introduced to Star Wars pretty young, like before kindergarten yeah, and didn't understand what was going on, but at least like had seen the movies and got that there was cool stuff in them. Right. But I feel like other than like Disney movies, sort of like 
that was the first time where it's like, oh, like my dad will sit and watch this and actually like enjoy it the same way I do. I, I think that's pretty similar for me. I remember when I was a kid, I can't remember how old I was, but I was pretty young. But I remember my dad was excited because he had just bought the the three pack on video cassette mm-hmm. of the, the original trilogy. And this was before the special edition, you know, yeah, before they remastered all of that stuff. And he was just, I just remember him being really excited to, to show me those movies. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's one of the earliest movies I remember like seeing, I think. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think about now with like Disney plus where you can pull up everything star Wars in one place like that. Yeah. There was a point where it's like, they just weren't on VHS yet. Mm -hmm. You couldn't watch star Wars at home. Right. But I remember going like waiting in line to go see a new hope, the special edition Mm -hmm. when I was about 10, when that came out. Yeah. I remember seeing those in theaters when they read them. That was fun. And I'm, I'm kind of sad because there's stuff from the, the original, you know, before they re-edited everything, Uh there's a couple of differences that I can still remember that Mm -hmm. I haven't seen in a long time, but I still kind of miss. Yeah. But anyways, no, like huge part of my, it's a huge part of my psyche, I guess. Like growing up, I, I collected the, the action figures, you know, each time I'd go visit one of my grandparents, like she knew I liked it. So she'd give me like a new star Wars action figure. Well, if this was video, like you could see behind me, my <laughs> Dan yeah, can see it. I can see. It. I have a shelf full of Star Wars figures still, and and yeah. you have a Last Jedi movie poster on the wall, right? Out of all the Star Wars movies, Last Jedi has made the poster on my wall. Yeah, that's going to be a little bit controversial, maybe for some of our listeners. It, it is. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about a uh, Last Jedi a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, same way that I feel like it was. Yeah, just such a huge part of growing up, and I think that you and I were probably at the perfect age for like. We, we grew up being introduced to it by our parents and then that moved into like the special editions coming out. And I think from there, the hype for the prequels mm-hmm. and those movies coming out, like, I feel like since then it's just been a constant stream of star Wars. Yeah. Well, there's like a lull and then Disney got a hold of it. And, right. Yeah. So I think obviously we're two prime candidates for this, like growing up loving star Wars, but also Mormon. Yeah. Why? do those things converge so much? We've talked a little bit about sort of like why Disney is so big among Mormons, but I think there's some more interesting or unique things about why Star Wars also appeals. And I think like, I don't know, Dan, who did you ever hear anyone ever use a Star Wars analogy in a sacrament meeting? Oh, many, many times. In (laughs) fact, like I know my dad, like often when he has to give sacrament meeting talks, he will often bring up Star Wars. Yeah. uh, you know, so what are the analogies? Like, what have you heard? Right. I I think, you know, from a believing Mormon perspective, maybe why it, why it resonates, we've got the force, which is kind of like the priesthood, Mm -hmm. I guess you could say, I don't know. It's probably a lot different coming from growing up as a boy or a male in, in the church. And maybe it, it hits a little bit closer because of that, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, just thinking about, you know, growing up and going to priesthood session and you have like all these priesthood holders who have this extra special thing that nobody else in the world has. And it's this power that is cool and awesome. And we're going to like, you know, sit at the feet of these wise masters of this knowledge that are going to train us and guide us in the ways that, you know, the ways of the force or the priesthood, you know, I think a lot of comparisons that way. Yeah, I especially remember like on as a missionary, 
people comparing like, you know, that there was, especially with the prequels, you've got this whole organization of Jedi that are paired up into companionships and you've got the hierarchy of leadership and, mm-hmm. and to the point where we have a whole room in the prequels, that's the Jedi council room where they all sit and are, you know, I think there's a lot of comparisons that at least as missionary people made to like the quorum of the 12 and the first presidency being like the Jedi council and yeah. in a positive way saying that like, they were like, you're saying like the masters of this thing. And then, and then there's stuff like, you know, the urban legend that like Yoda was based on Spencer W. Kimball or right. whoever. You know? Right. So for those of our listeners who might not know that that was like a thing that I heard regularly growing yeah. up <laughs> regularly that, uh, the design of Yoda's character. Yeah. I guess maybe the big ears were inspired by Spencer W. <laughs> Kimball or something. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like a rumor that like he made have might have started himself, <laughs> you know, like started maybe. telling people they used my likeness for Yoda just to like make him seem cooler. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> no, but there's there's this other aspect where being a Mormon, you have this this knowledge that like you are a little bit set apart from the rest mm-hmm. of the world. We're a little bit, um, what's the word? What's that word? Unique, uh, like peculiar, pe- peculiar. Yeah. yeah. Like we're a peculiar people. We ha- there's like something different about us. We have, and like, as a Mormon, you know, it's like, oh, it's because we have the truth with a right. capital T. We, we have this special knowledge. We have this, this power with garments and maybe we dress a little bit differently than the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. Maybe we look a little bit different and behave and act and have, you know, maybe different morals than the rest of the people. And I can see that that might resonate because that's kind of, you know, maybe how the Jedi view themselves yeah. um, in the context of the universe. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think that like even more basic than that even is just the Star Wars is very much a fairy tale, like we've talked about with Disney movies before, where it's a very clear sort of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's no question really about, you know, who the bad guys are mm-hmm. in Star Wars. And ultimately, like the people that we that maybe are on the, you know, sidelines have to decide whether they're going to be good or bad, like Han Solo by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that that hero's journey and that fairy tale sort of storytelling is just like resonates with people, humans. But yeah. I think it also falls in line a lot with like what, how sort of the gospel is taught and how Mormons think about, I don't know. I think that there's a fairy tale quality to the yeah. way that the gospel is taught in church. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go off of that, but just first fun fact for our listeners. Yeah. Did you know, dear listeners, that Nick and I actually have already recorded an episode on Star Wars for this podcast. <laughs> right. It was actually the first episode. Yeah, that was sort of our test run. That we recorded. Yeah. And it, it maybe, you know, maybe we didn't have the good back and forth flow, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you can argue that maybe we still don't. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, anyways, we, we deemed that it was probably not of high enough quality to publish yet. And so we're like, let's you know, we took, we took a different route, but anyways, right. So we, we've talked about star Wars before, mm-hmm. like for this podcasting and, and I'm actually going to jump into some of the things maybe that we talked about there, like d- jumping off on this. And one of the yeah. points that we had discussed before was what you just mentioned, Nick is this like very much goes into the hero's journey. Right. Mm-hmm. And for those that might not be familiar with that, there's, um, you know, Joseph Campbell, who was he the one that wrote hero with a thousand faces or yeah. Or something and, like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, George Lucas used sort of writing Star Wars and researching for Star Wars, you know, pulled a lot of stuff from 
Joseph Campbell and sort of these mythology scholars who were yeah drawn on a lot of that yeah. research. And then there and like along with that is Carl Jung, who's like you know a well-known psychologist who kind of studied like the psyche and made all these connections with um, these guys talked about you know, looking at all of the different, like, you know, mythology throughout history and different cultures and civilizations and kind of picked out all of these similarities and, and things throughout all of time that mm -hmm. humans have been doing and telling stories and all these common threads and kind of related them all to, you know, this, this hero's journey where, you know, we've got somebody who goes on adventure and, you know, there's, there's this whole outline of, you know, these different steps that they have to take, but it, it just goes back to this good versus evil. Right. And just sort of like, the basics being that like it's that call to adventure mm -hmm. that like the hero is like called to this thing greater than them and they have a mentor that helps them right. through that and there's all the sort of obstacles the rising action of like proving themselves to be the hero meeting all these challenges you know like a death and rebirth and yeah yeah and um i think that believing Mormons looking at this idea of the hero's journey or of all of these like common threads throughout history would say that, you know, this exists because like they're true principles. And so, mm -hmm. you know, and like everything, you know, what's the scripture that like everything testifies of Christ or the gospel right, or whatever. And so, you know, the reason that these things are so resonant with humans is because it's, it's coming from something true coming from, you know, the story of the gospel. Yeah. You know, it could mirror what Mormons would consider like the true hero, which is, you know, Christ. And then we've got mm -hmm. types of Christ and, you know, atonement and all, right. all that other stuff. Yeah. And I think that like to draw the direct comparison that I think in the original trilogy, Luke is obviously the hero who goes, has that hero's journey. And, and then in the prequels, we're introduced to Anakin who has a more tragic hero's journey. A different but, journey, yeah. Right. And I think that at least, you know, like the original trilogy really cemented that idea of this is a very traditional fairy tale sort of hero's journey story of mythology that really created a very modern mythology out of, you know, a, by adapting a lot of those things yeah. for modern audiences. I think like we've talked about before, as a Mormon youth growing up, like, and sort of the the promises that you're told of like, just how great your generation is and the things that you're going to do that like you, it's really easy to fall into that line of thinking of like, oh, because of the gospel, like we're all on a hero's journey and yeah. with like divine potential. And, and we're all going to have our trials and challenges, but right. if, if we overcome, then we're going to, you know, be the hero and yeah. You know, eternal life, salvation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like that, that giant struggle of good versus evil mythology. Like now when I look at it, I think of it as like, you know, not necessarily originating from the Christ story, but just a Christ story as an example, you know, or the Christian yeah. ideals of that as an example of everything that's been going on throughout history too. Yep. So yeah, lots there for Mormons to, to latch on to, I feel. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we could probably talk about all sorts of other examples of the little ways that sort of, I think Mormons are really good at looking at a piece of entertainment or a book or something and like making the connections between, you know, likening it to themselves and finding all the ways in which like this little thing is just like in the church. And I think that maybe it's just the amount of free time that missionaries have mentally <laughs> to like make all those connections. But I remember people drawing all sorts of very very specific connections to like how something like Star Wars, you know, like, oh, and this is just like this in the church and this is just like this. And, um, but one of the things that I think is like, as I was thinking again this week is just why, like along these lines of like, why is Star Wars resonating for people? And I think that 
like it's no it should be no surprise that among younger generations especially in America and and but in other places Europe um you know the the generations that are like our generation are are leaving religion at a higher rate than previous generations right and this is true of mormonism but it's also just true in general right like the younger generations are not as religious as the previous ones yeah and i was just thinking about like i mean i think that idea in general fascinates me of why why that's the case but i think growing up in the church one of the things that was always a constant thing was that you know the the big life questions of who are you where do you come from where are you going what's the purpose of life the church said we have very definitive answers on those questions. And I believe that for a long time, that the answers that we were given in church were the answers to those questions. But I think as people leave religion, like those questions don't necessarily go away of like, what's the purpose of life? Like, you know, where am I going? That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that these modern mythologies, Star Wars being an example, or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. like these are all like modern myths that also are posing like myths from, you know, the mythology of the Bible or Greek mythology or whatever, Mm -hmm. like posing answers to questions like what happens when you die and like, you know, what's the, what is the purpose of life and what's good and what's wrong? What was a good way to live? Yeah. That I Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of these pop culture mythologies are answering those questions, you know, and posing an idea of like, of, of spirituality through pop culture that may not be like truth like someone in the church would say they have truth, right. but at least like resonates and like sort of gives you, I think that I guess the summary of that is that I feel like a lot of modern people like our age and and maybe younger and older are sort of replacing religion with their religion and spirituality that they're finding in other mythologies. These modern mythologies. Yeah. Not necessarily as like a oh, I believe that I'm going to go to Valhalla with Thor after I die, you know? <laughs> yeah, if, but like, yeah, <laughs> if only need. I was going to say, right. Yeah. yeah. Or like, what is it with uh, Lord of the Rings to like the white, yeah. the, the the white shore or whatever, you know, not that that's like true, but like that there are good principles in there to live by and things that can give your life meaning, but absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think that's spot on. Yeah. I think that like, it's not, yeah. Like you're saying, not necessarily like that this A belief is what system. I believe, but it's yeah. the, it, replaces aspects of community and spirituality and sort of finding meaning through storytelling that in past generations, like in the 1800s, Joseph Smith is finding that meaning because he hears the Bible because that's what he, where he goes every week is he goes mm-hmm. to church and hears the Bible. And, and now people don't go to church as often, but they're sitting down to watch Disney plus and going to the movie theater. And, yeah. and I think that sort of mythology of these bigger stories that are grappling with like what happens, you know, in the, you know, these life questions. And, and I think that that extends to all forms of storytelling, but I think these larger than life stories like star Wars are really like people are really getting their hooks in these stories Mm-hmm. And making it part of their identity where like they're going to Star Wars celebrations and they're going to the conventions and they're naming their kids after <laughs> characters from Star Wars. Like, you know, that that's yeah. more than just like uh, a, ca- a casual. Right. Like, a, I, mean, I like this movie. This is yeah. like my, my Deeply life is significant, like people getting <laughs> tattoos, you know, Star Wars right. tattoos. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. So, yeah, I think there's a connection there that like, you know. And I think that that's part of why, like, when I think about Star Wars, like, like we were saying, we have, we can have a whole long list of ways it applies to the gospel and like from a believing Mormon point of view, how it would resonate. But then on the flip side, I can think of just as many reasons or connections to like a post-Mormon point of view of like mm-hmm. how, like, I still find meaning in Star Wars when I think about how it relates to church and the gospel. 
right. even now, it's because it's just a very wide umbrella that sort of anyone can find shelter under. Yeah. And, you know, going back to like, you know, these people that feel that, you know, strongly and passionately, if, if something in Star Wars happens that they just don't like, then they, <laughs> they can turn up. It's an apostasy. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get really upset if, it, if it's not what they want it to be. Yeah. I can't think of any examples of that happening recently, but in Star Wars, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, sorry, being sarcastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my my favorite story, I think, Last Jedi was definitely a powder keg that sort of set off a lot of that argument. Yeah, and my favorite story about Last Jedi was I, when I was teaching, I was teaching screenwriting classes when Last Jedi came out, uh-huh. and so it was you know one of the first couple weeks of our new semester after the Christmas break, and that movie had come out, and I was just talking to the my class kind of before things got started saying that I really loved Last Jedi. And one uh, student in the class, she was like, I hated it. I hated it. And just like saying I, it was not, it was awful. It was not a good Star Wars movie. And I was like, well, like I, I disagree. Like, I think it's good. She's like, no, 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 trust me. I saw it four times. I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. And I was like, that's like, to me, that's like a perfect, that's the perfect Star Wars fan is that like, I hate this thing. I saw it four times. I'm going to watch it over and over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, like also just the power of Disney. It's like, well, you like you're, you lost then in that situation. If you hated the movie, you Disney got your money. They don't care that you hated it. They like, got your money four times. <laughs> Why'd you keep seeing it? <laughs> Anyways. No. Uh, and well, you know, <laughs> just kind of the way that I saw it is like, you know, there's the group of those that really liked episode seven. Uh-huh. Very classic throwback yeah. sort of. And then there are like a lot of people who are like really liked, you know, Last Jedi. Uh-huh. And and maybe there's a little rift there, but then something that they could both, you know, come together on and agree about was, you know, disliking episode nine. Because <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really satisfy either either yeah. group, you know. <laughs> Very true. Anyways. Yeah. I mean. That's just been the, I feel like there's always been something to complain about with Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars fans hate Star Wars the most. Like, That's true. I feel, <laughs> yeah. I feel like they, it's because they love it so much. They can yeah. hate it. That's right. Is there a connection there with, with uh, the Mormon church? Maybe, maybe. Well, I think just, I think that's like human psychology, probably that like, there's definitely. The I, people who care the most about the thing are the ones. Right. Who are... I mean, I feel like it's the same sort of thing where it's like, like I can pick on my sibling, but when someone else picks on my sibling, like, no, no, no. Like yeah. I'm, I'm the protector now. Yeah. It's like, I can only, I can do that. And I feel like that's true of like, I feel like that's true of anything where you sort of strongly identify with it. Is that like, I can criticize it. Right. But once you're outside of it, I'm a true fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that's, I think you definitely see that. I think the level that maybe is different in the church is that like, any criticism needs to be very quiet. Like Star Wars fans are very vocal. That's true. And then, you know, we need to keep up appearances and Star Wars fans are not at all concerned about how they look when they (laughs) rag on Star Wars. Right. Well, should we dig in? Should we talk about like, yeah. So I think that like, let's start with sort of the classics, the, you know, the, the, the movies at least Uh and sort of, uh, and then maybe we can branch out if we want to sort of decide stuff and, TV shows and yeah. cartoons and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that the strongest connections and maybe the bulk of our conversation maybe might come with just talking about the way that the Jedi work in the prequels. Right. I think, do you want to start there? Yeah, I think. And and I guess sort of as the end of that conversation, like I was always super interested watching the original movies of like, what were the Jedi like? 
And my my impression of sort of like what I thought they were going to be before the prequels came out was really just based on like Obi-Wan and Yoda. Mm -hmm. And so then when the prequels do come out and it's like this very large organization that has sort of a lot of administrative bureaucracy. Rigid structure. Yeah. Yeah, like it was very interesting. And I think that like when those movies came out, I think it didn't fulfill some fans sort of ideas of what it would have been like Mm -hmm. or what they thought it was going to be like. But I feel like the prequels have only grown like I've only grown more fond of the prequels and what they're trying to do as I've gotten older. And so I feel, and I feel like especially a big part of that is because of like in the last few years, like as I've left the church, like I feel like watching the prequels has a whole new sort of spin Mm -hmm. on it for me. And, you know, lest anyone, you know, starts having strong feelings about what we're talking about. The prequels are not without their flaws. Oh yeah. I will be the first (laughs) to admit, but no, I agree. Like, I just think that, over time, I've just liked them more and more. Mm-hmm. So I think the Jedi Order itself, I think, is one of the biggest points. Mm-hmm. Well, we can look at the the Jedi Order as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, just thinking about the good and the bad of them. They're maybe, like you said, maybe not the most idealized. And, and the, I think they're supposed to be. I think maybe right. that's like what they're going for. But, you know, you look at what George Lucas was trying to show that maybe they weren't all that they thought that they were and maybe there was some some flaws that they had which we see through the uh, the prequel movies you can Mm -hmm. see it as kind of a self-aggrandizing organization with deep pockets and a lot of political influence right and you can kind of see maybe why oh maybe there's some connections there with how some post-mormons see the church right and i think it's funny because like like I heard in, in sacrament meeting talks, have heard those comparisons that, that like the Jedi Order is like the leadership in the church and the Jedi Council of Yoda and all them are like the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. And mm-hmm. as an as a believing Mormon, it's like, yeah, I see the connection there. Like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then as a post-Mormon, when someone says they're just like the Jedi Council, I'm like, <laughs> it, exactly. It, they it are. still makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It still makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, because like, I think that the nuances of that were lost on me as a kid. And and I think probably at the fault of George Lucas's storytelling mm-hmm. of like the idea being that this is the, the point was this is a organization that lost sight of like what was the, the real purpose of their existence mm-hmm. and got mired and sort of, and I think, you know, obviously in the story of the movie, it's because there's bad guys influencing them and manipulating them, Mm -hmm. but just sort of that they lost sight of like, Oh, the point of what they were doing was to be the guardians of peace and justice. Right. And, and like to bring good to the galaxy. And instead they got caught up in a war where they, they're the generals in this war. Right. And then they're like very strongly involved in politics and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of wielding power that maybe is more than what the original thought was. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I think that like, you can definitely see a connection, like, obviously this should make like, it resonates with me of like an organization that is saying that they're staying out of it and not political. And yet now suddenly getting very deep into political matters that I feel Mm -hmm. like we've only, you know, in the past 15 or so years, like, especially with things like Prop 8 and LGBTQ issues that like, I think the church has fallen into that trap of wanting to be neutral, but Uh then suddenly finding themselves in the middle of this metaphorical war on this issue that became very political. Yeah. You know, um, I was just thinking the other day, I was on my mission when all the Prop 8 stuff went down. Yeah, me too. Um, And you were in the States. 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I was not. And so I wasn't really aware of everything that was going on with that. I didn't really hear much about it. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe if I had been in the States or maybe I wasn't on my mission around that time, I might've left the church sooner. Yeah. Anyways, just retrospect. No, I think definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was insulated from that and didn't know much of anything that was going on until later. Yeah. I did have a companion from California Oh yeah, and, and at the time and yeah, just sort of was like, that was the only thing I really heard was that his parents, if I remember correctly, his parents were like, we just, we voted for you on this prop eight thing, just so you know, and sort of with your absentee ballot. And mm. he's like, okay, I don't know what it is. And, mm. but I think that like, and, and I think that especially sort of as the prequels go on, like, you know, Yoda, especially sort of starts to realize that like, I think we might be missing something. Yeah. And there becomes like this self-awareness of like, we ended up getting corrupted by our own pride and sort of the belief that they couldn't have, you know, they couldn't be manipulated and outsmarted. Uh And, and I think that obviously that then leads to sort of the exile and well, the death of all these Jedi and the exile of sort of Yoda and Obi-Wan who become hermits. And, and I feel like, go ahead. I was going to say like, at best they like became misguided or lost their way, you know, but like at worst, there's maybe some straight up corruption with trying to Uh pull some influence in, in the Senate and things. Just going along like, and Yoda's not blameless in mm-hmm. this because there's a conversation. I think it's in episode two. Yoda is talking to Mace Windu and Mace says something along the lines of, we didn't foresee the creation of this army. You know, we should let the Senate know that our powers are weakening. Mm-hmm. And Yoda's like, no, only the Sith Lord knows about our weakness right now. We'll get more enemies if we tell other people. And mm-hmm. to me, it's like, uh, he's like trying to hide up their, hide their weakness. Whereas yeah. maybe if he were more open about things with the Senate or whoever, you know, maybe it would have been uh, things that might have gone differently, but maybe not because, you know, Palpatine was just pulling the strings on all sides. Yeah. But yeah, definitely that idea of like the keeping up appearances of like sort of we seeing these issues, becoming self-aware of like these issues that are happening and not stepping up and being like totally forthright when there was an opportunity leads to the everything just getting worse. Right. And like avoiding responsibility for maybe some of the things that had happened. Yeah. And and I, I think that there's some things there that we can compare to the church as well. Mm-hmm. As, as anyways, as far as the like that I'm feeling, you know, we can think about, you know, just things that they could have done better to to build bridges, you know, with the LGBT stuff, with, mm-hmm. you know, race and the priesthood. There's there's a lot of areas where, you know, by the church, you know, if they had been more upfront or made like more forthright apologies instead of like yeah well and i think that in you know in in all those cases there were warning voices of sort of like if you keep on this path like this is this is where i see it going uh-huh. and that church leadership sort of being what it is you know i think for better or worse on you know sort of moves slowly moves unanimously and then mm-hmm. i think is a very, a very top down right very top down and sort of at the behest of the personal opinions and biases of whoever's whoever's in charge and and i feel like that idea of well we, if we can't let people know that we're we made a mistake or that we're wrong because if we if that gets out on this thing then what how do the dominoes fall right absolutely and I feel like that idea and sort of what you're talking about of like well we can't let them know like we're losing our powers because then then what happens? You know, right. Like, and, and no one will trust us in anything. And and going along those lines of like, like the top down. And, and this is something that was kind of interesting that was got into a little bit with the Clone Wars animated series. But like, 
Count Dooku, one of the reasons he, he was a Jedi, right? Right. He was one of the good guys. And then he left and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's a Sith Lord now. One of the reasons that he left, it was hinted to in the movies is that he like saw maybe some of the corruption, saw some of the um, hypocrisy mm-hmm. in like the Jedi council. And that's one of the main reasons why he left. Yeah. And then he, there's that one part where he's talking to Obi-Wan in episode two. And he's like telling Obi-Wan true things. He's like, oh, what if I told you that the Jedi Council was like being influenced by uh, a yeah. Sith master or something? And and Obi-Wan's like, no, no way. Like plug in his ears. La, 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 la. I can't <laughs> hear you, you know? And, and like Count Dooku, who's a bad guy, is like telling him truth about his organization. Mm-hmm. But he's unwilling to hear it because it's not coming from the approved sources. Right. You know, which is something else that I can kind of see and relate to as people maybe not inside the church who are saying things about the organization that might be true, Mm -hmm. but is hard, like a hard pill to swallow. Well, and I think that like at the heart of all this is sort of, we're we're viewing a lot of this through the lens of Anakin in the prequels. Yeah. And Anakin is, I think a lot of the mistakes of, of the Jedi council and sort of, and, and going back to the last Jedi, like Luke and the last Jedi points a lot of these things out of like their hubris that they mm-hmm. thought they could control and sort of codify the force and like mm-hmm. in their organization. And, and I think we see a lot of those mistakes play out through Anakin's story of just like he's brought in, you know, taken from his mom, brought into the Jedi Council to be trained, but he's being trained by like he needed Qui-Gon Jinn to train him, not mm-hmm. yeah. Obi-Wan. Like and and so he's like not really set up to have sort of like the support system he needs. And then constantly told like personal attachments and personal relationships are forbidden for a Jedi. And then it's like, but by the way, that woman that you had the thing for, we're going to go send you away with her for a little bit. Yeah. Take yeah. Care. And so like, you know, it's like sort of this, like, I think for Anakin, perfect storm of like, like he, he was raised by a mom who then he was pulled from. Mm-hmm. And then is just constantly reminded of all the ways he needs to like, put that part of himself away to be he devote himself to which are normal organization. like you know growing up these normal right right you know desires and feelings that and 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 he tries he tries so hard to fit in with the jedi code but also at the same time like he he just ends up snapping it, it becomes too mm-hmm. much and he can't you know keep both both ends of that up at the same time right one of my i have <laughs> i have I mean, there, there's fun stuff in Attack of the Clones. I have very little of sort of like, oh, like this is a great example of like writing or, uh-huh. you know, character work in that yeah. movie. But one of the things that I do like is the conversation that where Anakin and Padme are sort of talking about, like, you know, she's saying like, isn't it forbidden for a Jedi to, to love someone? And he's like, uh, no, like we are supposed to love everyone. And so like <laughs> sort of then like it's a Jedi is all about love. And, and it's that sort of where it's like, it's the sort of conversation that I feel like watching it now is that like that reasoning bargaining with himself of like the difference between like what he wants and what he is expected of him. And sort of, if he wants to be a a Jedi and stay on this path, he's on what that means versus, well, this is what I really want. Mm -hmm. And, and it's sort of that, like, I've got to find the way to like rationalize and sort of like explain in these things so that like both of them can still make sense to me. Yeah, just kind of justifying it to yourself. It's like, right. oh, I'm I'm doing the right things. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot of that that happens, especially on a journey out of the church of sort of like bargaining to like, because like, I want to keep what I have grown up believing, but I'm also seeing issues. And now 
like having this. How do I make both of that work? Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's hard to keep that going. And and some people can probably do that. And yeah. And I think that they're, you know, that's a very personal decision. And I feel like the people who decide that like, it's better for me to like remain like fully apart and sort of invested in the church while still having questions and doubts or, or not believing at all anymore. Mm-hmm. that place is a hard one to be in. And I feel like everyone, it, I don't fault anyone who stays there because I understand why. Yeah. Spoiler alert, Anakin Skywalker makes some <laughs> drastic decisions that, that firmly put him in one camp, but yeah, Marvel right now has on Disney plus a show. That's like a what if mm-hmm. show where it's like, what if this happened in captain America instead? And I feel like um, a, an interesting, what if, for Star Wars would be what if Anakin didn't become Darth Vader? Like what if, yeah. you know, he decided to stay with the Jedi council and defeat Palpatine mm-hmm. because if, and I feel like in order to make that happen, like he needed way more support than he did. Like I, I can see right now, like anyone listening, who's believing as soon as I say that, like, I do find like that the, there are things I resonate with in Anakin's story in the prequels <laughs> is immediately like, Oh, Oh, the guy who like committed. Child. You're, you're the bad guy murder yeah. you know like and yeah like became darth vader like that's gonna get the guy. burned by lava right 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 that's the guy you identify with <laughs> right darth vader and i think that that's good well, it's true i I, yeah. I feel that no i i think so i think that there's a lot in sort of anakin story that i i do identify with but i feel like the difference is that like obviously Anakin, there's a very clear sort of right and wrong and this story is telling that anakin is a very tragic figure who had a definitive downfall right um Whereas I think in real life, you know, the number of people that become Darth Vader are pretty few and far between. Yeah. Something that's interesting that maybe we could touch on is something that that I hear John DeLynn saying a lot recently, I guess, in some of his Mm -hmm. Mormon stories. Um, Something that he's mentioned is that, you know, we're product of systems, right? We're not like bashing Mm -hmm. on individual people. Right. But like, you know, we're, we're talking about the system that created this, you know? And Mm -hmm. so when we're, you know, it's all about the system that's definitely in play here with Anakin, that he was very much a product of the system that he came from, you know? Yeah. And I think that's super healthy to keep in mind too, on Mm -hmm. both sides of this conversation that like, I think it's hard to have these sort of conversations and not take things personal. Yeah. Bad decisions can be made by individuals like, like with Anakin. But I think that at least the, like, the reasoning behind like why Anakin is like making the choices he did. Like I understand and sympathize with like the, the things that led him to make those decisions, even if it's like, ultimately he'd say like, yeah, I probably wouldn't become a Sith Lord. Yes. <laughs> you know, but like, but I, and all related to sort of like the, the system that pulled him from his mom who he couldn't mm-hmm. save. And then he can't, you know, is, is afraid and motivated by fear of like wanting to save the people that he loves. And it would have been a lot easier if they had said, like, if Obi-Wan had said like, Hey, I hear you. I understand that you're having this fear. Like, let's work it out. Like, let's find a solution. And instead they're like, get in line. Like you got to play the part. And so he goes to other sources and (laughs) you're a member of this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. (laughs) It's like, what the heck? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe. At when we, you know, just discussing Anakin on this point and like decisions, maybe this is a good point to bring up Ahsoka. Yeah. You think? And I think so. So I think speaking of, you know, Star Wars fans having strong feelings about characters. Yeah. Ahsoka <laughs> was a character introduced in the Clone Wars who fans hated with a passion when she was introduced. 
And so she was sort of introduced for anyone who hasn't watched Clone Wars and, and doesn't care about spoilers, like introduced as sort of like a kind of Padawan apprentice to Anakin during the Clone Wars. I think mm-hmm. they explain it away in the context of the story of sort of like, these are desperate times. We need to maybe change up a little bit of how we're doing things. Yeah. The point of sort of her characters that like we see her journey from being this like sort of young new Jedi under Anakin. And I think see sort of his displeasure and sort of like this, these issues that are coming up with the Jedi council rub off on her and her storylines sort of ends with her being framed and sort of the Jedi council, not trusting her and her seeing, whoa, there's a lot more issues going on with this than I thought. Mm-hmm. And that I was aware of, and she decides to remove herself from the Jedi council and steps away mm-hmm. without uh, killing a lot of younglings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> with, with no murder. Yeah. No, but yeah, uh, she, she, she was, uh, she was framed for this crime mm-hmm. and the, the Jedi were accusing her and like, we're totally like going to sentence her and, and condemn her and all this stuff. And, and she, she was innocent and they end up finding that out eventually. But you know, by that point, like there is too little, too late, you know, and she right. just, kind of lost her faith and lost her trust in the leadership of the Jedi council mm-hmm. from that. Cause you know, aren't you the ones that are supposed to know that are supposed to be able to write all wise, all knowing. Yeah. So they hold like a, a church court sort of meeting for Ahsoka. A court of love. Yeah. Over there, <laughs> talking about whether they should excommunicate her basically, or, you know, and, and prosecute her for this crime. Uh-huh. And she does what I think the church would prefer in most of those cases and decides I'm just going to take my name off the records and I'm going to leave. And I think Ahsoka is, she shows up obviously in the, in the Mandalorian. I think that's where most people probably were introduced to her. And I think that her character arc through Clone Wars and onto the Rebels cartoon and now into Mandalorian and who knows what else they're doing with her. She's getting her own show. Yeah. I think she's a super interesting character because she walks this like middle path where she's not a Jedi, but she uses the force and has lightsabers and still does Jedi type things but she's found this way to like live in the middle between the dark and the light without fully subscribing to being a jedi anymore and and nick i think we we need to like continue like when she was first introduced like you said she was not very well liked Mm -hmm. and and i think that might have been because um you know, the show initially was like geared more towards kids and like younger. And it was like a very juvenile, right? Feel, I guess. But I, I think by the end of by the end of the TV series, like the creators of the show, like heard that feedback and they like made her better. And like, I think by the end of the series, she was a favorite, right? She, she became a favorite character of a lot of Star Wars fans. Yeah, I would say that of Star Wars fans who have sort of like immersed themselves in everything, uh-huh. like in the, the comics and the TV shows and the books, I would say that a lot of people would probably rank Ahsoka pretty high on their list of favorite characters now, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Yeah. And I think that part of this is maybe a point we didn't talk about with sort of like that dual nature of like things that resonate for believing and non-believing uh-huh. is this idea of canon of, yeah. uh, you know, Star Wars has a very yeah. definitive canon. And uh, Ahsoka, I think, also broke that canon by introducing her. It's like, well, wait, she wasn't in any of the movies. Mm -hmm. Where the heck did she come from? And obviously, I think they elegantly sort of wove her in and out of the the story. But I would say that, A, like for a believing uh, member of the church, like canon and sort of like having scripture that is all fits together nicely. Uh um, falls right in line with the way Star Wars fans approach (laughs) Star Wars. 
Yeah. Or at least a certain type of Star Wars fan. I, I'm just glad that now Star Wars is an open canon, yeah. which means that we are open to, you know, further light and knowledge and revelations mm-hmm. of, of more <laughs> Star Wars being released. Right. Probably the most one I'm most excited about is the new Obi-Wan show. I am excited about that. And continuing that metaphor much further than it needs to be taken. <laughs> I would guess that, you know, like Mormon doctrines equivalent is Wikipedia, which <laughs> yeah. is the like Star Wars wiki online. And, uh-huh. and so like, if you really have a question, that's like the deeper knowledge of Star Wars, like you go to Wikipedia to look yeah. at all this the, obscure the deep stuff. Doctrine. Yeah. And yeah. And you know, like Mormon doctrine was that for a long time, the Bruce yeah. R. McConkie book. Yeah. So, so what, what would the equivalent be of all of the Star Wars legends, all of the books and stuff that were written before like uh, Disney sort of made yeah. a definitive time. Yeah. Cause there, there was like a ton of books about what happened before and after those. And like, right. They had to I like, think they're say, just all apocryphal now. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, philosophies of men mingled with scripture, maybe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, some of, some of those legends books were definitely much less mingled with the truth of star Wars than <laughs> they should have been. Yeah. I didn't read a lot of those. Actually, I didn't read any. I, yeah, I started I've, a couple of books, but I didn't finish any. I've dabbled. I actually, side note, highly recommend Star Wars audiobooks. Mm-hmm. If you ever are interested in any sort of like reading or, you know, some of these books, there are some really good ones that have come out since Disney bought Star Wars mm-hmm. or Lucasfilms. Um, but the Star Wars audiobooks also have sound effects and music in them. Oh, cool. So it's not just a straight reading. Like it's usually, and it's usually where they can read by like a voice actor from one of the cartoons or a show or movie to sort of like bring some cohesive character work there. But nice. They're pretty fun. I like them. Cool. Anyway, anything else about like, I feel like we've hit sort of the broad strokes of Anakin's story. Yeah. Anakin's ex Mormon journey. Right. Yeah. And I feel like the flip side of like, I don't think we can talk about Anakin without talking about Luke too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it does a disservice to the story Mm -hmm. just because like, one of the things that I like about Luke's story, and I feel like a believing member would see like Anakin as like, oh, he's the prodigal son sort of thing, like who went way off the deep end. And Luke is the believing member of the church trying to pull him back because he still sees good in him. And mm-hmm. like, there's still, he can still be a part of the, the force. Yeah. And Luke definitely does like take that position of like seeing good in his dad and wanting him to come back. But one of the things that I think is interesting is that Obi-Wan and Yoda are both like, you got to kill him like over and over again. Like they keep telling him you got to kill the guy. There's yeah. no good in him. And Luke's like, no, like I sense it. Like I, I know my dad better. Like I, there's a connection there. And so what in Return of the Jedi that I think is interesting is that like we're set up for Obi-Wan and Yoda. And, and we do get sort of some of this like epic sort of fight between father and son that feels very legend and epic and mythology. Mm -hmm. Um, But that one of the things that I love about Luke is that he throws away his lightsaber in that battle and is like, I won't, I won't do it. Like I won't kill him. You're going to have to kill me. And that sort of like self-sacrifice that was not the way, like, I think the Jedi of old are represented in Obi-Wan and and Yoda saying like, you got to kill him Mm -hmm. because they only saw this issue as sort of like, there's a black and a white, he's either good or or he's bad and right. And he's bad. And and so he needs to go down. But Nick, only Sith deal in absolutes. (laughs) What? (laughs) Um, Sorry. Continue with your point. (laughs) 
Well, and yeah, therein, you know, lies some maybe some of the logical fallacy of the <laughs> Jedi there. Right. Or some of the hypocrisy. That... <laughs> right. But I think what's great is that like Luke in Return of the Jedi definitely it finds his own path too. And I think that's one of the things that I've always liked about Luke is that like, even though he's sort of the hero and he's meant to be sort of the all good character that like he does some weird things in, Re- in Return of the Jedi where he's like, he once he gets captured on Endor and is like brought to the emperor mm-hmm. it's like luke has this like it's not what we expect like i think we're not expecting him to like shy away from that fight and like still hold on to like you're good i know you're good <laughs> like, yeah like and you're gonna you're gonna come back to the light and and ultimately like that love is what motivates vader to attempt to murder palpatine mm-hmm. and then episode nine happened well no no he did he did murder palpatine <laughs> yeah. because it has come out since that the Palpatine we see in episode nine, he is a clone. He's not. That's true. That's true. The actual, I stand yeah. corrected. Yeah. He, yeah. he actually was murdered, I think. So um, there's the canon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I think that that, you know, like, I don't know, that to me is like the biggest point of Luke is that like he, I feel like some of that like sort of legend or like hopes of what fans thought Luke would become, like they wanted him to be this like super. The full out Jedi. Full out, yeah, like all powerful Jedi who has like all these amazing skills. And that's never what resonated with me or what I wanted out of Luke. Like Luke was cool because like he was the antithesis of a Jedi that we see in the prequels. Like he was all about love and family connection. I just think that looking at them all as a whole now, like that's a cool sort of like coda to the Skywalkers in the first six movies is that like love ultimately wins out not the dogma you know this was something that um you had put in your notes for our you know the first time we tried to do this episode Uh is that like if if you take luke he would actually be a pretty crappy jedi if you compare him to like the standards of what the jedi right like like they would consider him a crappy jedi right like (laughs) like risking his life for his friends and like, you know. Yeah, but, very renegade Jedi. Right. Probably got that from his father. Yeah. You know? And I think that, you know, that's continued. And when I one of the things that I love about Last Jedi is that we see Luke who's like, who recognizes that, that like the Jedi weren't what we thought and like mm-hmm. what, you know, who they were, were and what they did created all of the problems. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately he decides like we need to, like stop it like you know we need yeah. to like like they've caused more problems than they have good and so any of the good is well he, he you know, tried to start it again right right and and created a little villain of his own yeah kind like of. i think he's lived through that and and has the perspective to say that like look i've seen it how it plays out and like it's, we just need the jedi to die mm-hmm. but i think in the end of that movie like the thing that by luke, luke sort of embraces and sees the value in sort of the mythology itself, like within the universe of Star Wars that like, as he, you know, at the end of Last Jedi, when he comes out and sort of does that show of, of powers uh-huh. to create sort of this legend of Luke Skywalker, who can be shot by all these blasters and live that like, he's sort of embracing like the mythology and the mm-hmm. legend and like sees the value in these stories. And I feel like Luke ends up like being cemented in Last Jedi as sort of like the ex-Mormon Jedi in my mind of like the guy who like saw the rules and experienced them and sort of like lived within the system and decided to move on but still like holds value and sort of recognizing that there is value to have and like he's still spiritual but not in the he's not a jedi really anymore either right right and like 
I can see that like, like the value of myth or the value of, you know, the, these stories, like, you know, I look back at these Bible or book of Mormon stories, which, you know, right now I, I don't believe are true, but I think that there's value there. And I think that some of the, some of those stories that are told are, are worth retelling and have, are, are obviously very important to a lot of people, just like, you know, what you said, what Luke did at the end of episode eight. Mm-hmm. When I think that that's one of the harder things, especially for people who like leave the church, but then still have lots of close ties to family or friends uh-huh. who are believing is that like, it becomes really hard to talk about some of this. Like, like when someone else is talking about a Book of Mormon story, it's like, I can talk about it as a story. I don't necessarily believe it happened, but like, I can see the value in that story. Mm-hmm. But it's hard, like it gets hard on my end, at least when it's like, but you do believe that it happened. And and so like, I can see value in the story, but when for you, it actually did happen. It's like, there's a, you know, there's a lot of baggage that sort of comes with that. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it, it's like hard because for me, at least like my man, mindset is usually like, like I can talk about the story and sort of talk about the lessons learned, but I also don't want to like give the impression of like, I believe it happened too. Right. Because then like, you know, there's things that come with that. And right. so I think that like, at least for me, like thinking about this is that like, like I, I think I, like I celebrate the idea of like Luke sort of embracing the imagery and the like mythology of what a Jedi is and sort of within that moment using it as something beneficial. Um, Like I see that the benefit there, but then like, I just worry about like that can be taken too far too, I guess of like, I don't know, on the post-Mormon side of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on another note, Nick, I want to talk about some things from the Mandalorian. Also Star Wars, also very popular. Yeah. Uh, new, newer Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so spoiler warning for Mandalorian if you haven't seen it. But if you haven't and you're listening to this episode, come on, go see Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're following the Mandalorian. I can't remember his name. Din something or other, right? Jaren. Yeah. And and it's it, the whole, this whole premise of this show is fun because, you know, you're following him as this Mandalorian and with his little group of other Mandalorians and they have a very strict code. They have a very strict um, mm-hmm. dress code, if you will, you know, don't take yeah. your mask off in public or in front of anybody actually. Um, Which in 2020, 2021 is good advice. <laughs> this is the way <laughs> mask helmet. Yeah. Right. Um, anyways, anyway, so um, you know, we're put into this world of the Mandalorian and we're like, Oh, if you don't know anything about Star Wars from before, it's like, oh, I guess Mandalorians just always have their helmets. Mm-hmm. You know, we see Boba Fett who had similar armor. We never saw him take his helmet off, right? Yeah. Um, and then he's with all these other Mandalorians who never take their helmets off. This is the way, right? That's the thing they always repeat. Anyways, roll around to season two. He meets up with some other Mandalorians that are not from his original little group, mm-hmm. right? Well, no, before that, before that, sorry. He He's... He's looking for this Mandalorian. He, he hears that one. There's one on Tatooine, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes there, and he like sees this guy that's wearing Mandalorian armor, but he's not wearing his helmet. And he's like, "Oh, you're not a real Mandalorian. Where'd you get that armor? Like, you must have stolen it off of somebody." And it turns out he's not. He's not a Mandalorian, right? Yeah. And so like our our protagonist is very like appalled and doesn't like the fact that hey, you shouldn't be wearing that because mm-hmm. you're not a true Mandalorian. And you're not respecting like what it means. To that right. Stuff. And then, and then a little bit later in the season, he comes upon another group of Mandalorians and, you know, they talk a little bit, they have their helmets on and then they take their helmets off in front of him. And he's like, 
what the heck are you guys doing? Yeah. He's like, who did you take? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you get that armor from? Cause obviously you're not true Mandalorians. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah, we are. And, uh, well, really I love fun. their, their reaction in the moment is like, Oh, you're one of them. Oh, you're one of them. Yeah. He's one of them. He's like yeah. one of what, uh, turns out our, our protagonist was raised in the, I, I wrote it down. They called it a cult of religious zealots that broke away from Mandalorian society. Uh-huh. And so he, he like, didn't know it, but he grew up in this cult. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he's like introduced to some of these characters from regular society. And, uh, I think there's some stuff there that we can talk about a yeah. little bit. Yeah, um, he's definitely, I think the the group that he was a part of is the Children of the Watch is uh-huh. what they were called. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's definitely a more fundamentalist off, <laughs> offshoot of the uh, original Mandalorians. Yeah, but he, he wasn't even aware that there were other types of Mandalorian, uh-huh. right? And to me, the thing that it resonated with was not necessarily like Mormons versus non-Mormons, but hardcore Mormons versus maybe less rigid. Yeah, like less orthodox. Less or orthodox. Progressive. And it's like, wait, you're a Democrat and you're Mormon? Right. You know, that 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 type of thing, I think, feels more more in line. Or or maybe an even more like apt comparison is sort of like the, oh, like you're going exercising and you're not wearing your garments sort yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, like, you're a Mormon and uh, you're drinking Coke. Yeah. You know. Of uh, Yeah. Some people are Mormon, but some people are more Mormon than others. And yeah. sort of like following above and beyond the rules that are part of the, even the, the official yeah. rules in the church. And yeah. Yeah. And, and I heard vibes of that too. Like what you're saying of like, maybe people on, on different missions where it's like, oh, on this mission you know, we, we live the higher, we're the higher law or we're even more righteous because we have mm-hmm. more rules, you know? Well, and I think that like nowadays in church, you, you know, lately in the last couple of years, I've been hearing a lot about covenant path yeah, and sort of being path. like, sort of like, this is the way to do things. This and, is the way. <laughs> and, and um, I think that like, it's once you start sort of like having very rigid rules that no, don't necessarily have reasoning behind them. Like, <clears throat> like we at least it, in the Mandalorian, we never really hear why they don't take their helmets off. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're they don't explain a whole lot about that. And so to us as the viewer, we're definitely more like it's important to you, I guess. I don't know why. And then when we are introduced to other Mandalorians that don't follow those rules, but still do all the same sort of Mandalorian things, wear the same armor, like it, we are put in the position of our main character where we're like, well, wait a second what's going on? Like, why, why is he different? What I think like, what like really brings that sort of thread of the Mandalorian home for me though, is that like, then it becomes very impactful when he chooses to take his helmet off. Yeah. And so like there, there are moments throughout the first two seasons of the show, because that's all that's out when we're recording this, where he chooses to take his helmet off and it's always in service of protecting or connecting to who he loves. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, like, these are the rules that I grew up with, but like, it's more important for me to like show my love and break them. And I feel like that's something that's where the disconnect with the church is for me, at least like, I don't think there's any, I would say that there's probably no rule in the gospel, no covenant, no law in the, in the church that people would say it's okay to break and to show love. Mm-hmm. 
at least like the leadership, I mean, like, right, right. like leadership and sort of like the rules, the, the official top-down yeah. instruction. Yeah. Like I would, I can't think of anything where they mm-hmm. would say, this is the law, but it's okay to break it in this yeah. case. Yeah. I mean, I suppose we have the story of Nephi who's like, I need to get this guy's close. And... But Nick, that was a transgression, not a sin, <laughs> right? <laughs> No, but no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and I think it's a, uh, if you're able to make that jump and say, oh, wait, love or my relationship, you know, with the people I love is maybe more important than these rules. Yeah. It's like, you know, growing up in your family, like that's all, you know, is like the rules of your family, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in an LDS family context. And then, and then you go to your ward and you grow up and like, you meet other people that are maybe a little bit different flavor of Mormons than you. It's like, yeah. Oh, wait, that's weird. That's not how we do it at my house. You know, um, you know, we're not, we, we don't eat coffee flavored ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. And then, and then maybe you leave and go to college, you know, and then you're introduced into, you know, maybe some other people who are even more of a different flavor than what your local ward was, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh wait, there's like all these other different kinds of Mormons that believe and do all these other different ways. And so I think, I think it's a very eye opening process of there's more than one way to be a Mandalorian. This is the ways. These are the ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I have much more to say about that, but just a little interesting snippet that I could relate to a little bit. Yeah. No, I think it's definitely interesting. Like, I think, obviously, the first time I watched both, both seasons was just like immediately made that connection of like, oh, this feels very familiar with it as far as the Mandalorian and his helmet and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I don't know. I feel like that sort of covered uh, a lot of the general points I wanted to talk about. I feel like we still love Star Wars enough that we're giving ourselves a license to like talk about any one individual Star Wars movie on this podcast in the future and maybe more just sort of like talking about the movie itself. But as far as like a deeper dive. Yeah. I feel like this is a good like potpourri sort of sampling of all the things that like really connect to being post-Mormon, I think, in Mm -hmm. Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we enjoy Star Wars. That's probably not true. Does anybody (laughs) like our podcast as much as we like Star Wars? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I like our podcast as much as I like Star Wars. (laughs) I'd agree with you on that. And and I'm on it. So Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, dear listeners, thanks for joining us. Welcome to season two. Uh, We will see you on the next episode. Yeah. We're excited to be back. And may the force be with you.